fun and stupid it stuff. Is, so, it is what it is. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, it's crazy right now. You know, it's uh, there's like you know the the good and bad of it is you know normally we, we wouldn't have time to do anything like this. I wouldn't. No uh, hell no. Uh, sure, we can do this at two a.m. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Hey, put uh, that underneath. Maybe that could stand up on there so you don't have to like leave. or get those books, those stack of books. There you go. No, you're good. You're good. I just want to get you in the mic. There you go. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Hella Italian old school cookbooks. Kind of, yeah. I got some ones that are, like, falling apart over here. Nice. You know, trying to uh, not just do the Italian food that everyone else is doing Mm -hmm. around all the time, which it's really good, you know? Mm -hmm. Who doesn't like a little Alfredo or ricotta sauce? I mean, those are, like, our top sellers, but it's more, uh, I think, interesting and authentic to do things that maybe you haven't heard of or from different small towns around mm. and it allows you to uh kind of armchair travel is a word i heard on somewhere else earlier today and i was like that's kind of it that's that's the advantage with going to like a smaller mom and pop restaurant because you get to experience um their their culture of their little town that they're from and uh so i kind of want to go after that a little bit more yeah. Do you ever usually like in the circumstance? So just for information's sake, we are in the middle of like day, what, 48 of this COVID-19 crisis, yeah, Sacramento. Like I'm yeah. with uh, Polo of Adamo's uh, restaurant in Sacramento. Adamo, is that how you pronounce it? Adamo, yeah. Adamo, Adamo restaurant. It's in the middle of this uh, pandemic right now. So if we're listening to this in, in real time or in reflection, this is a weird time for the country. And... Um, Polo's here making business happen. It's in a to-go only situation. So if you're listening to this in the future, there was a time when people couldn't even go inside restaurants, if that's even a thing in the future. And um, But yeah, so go ahead. So in, in normal circumstances, would you be able to have this much time to work on a menu? Uh, no. Uh, def- I mean, yes and no. I think uh, under normal circumstances, this kind of thing happens throughout the night, and I'm jotting down on whatever little piece of scrap paper I have, my crazy idea mm. uh, that never ends up actually making it onto the venue. Mm. They usually spawn some other idea, some other idea, and then something uh, a little bit more maybe vanillified mm-hmm. uh, comes out because I can be a little wild, uh, but I like to eat, you know? I'll mm. eat just about anything, any flavor combo. If it tastes good, it tastes good. I don't, I try not to approach it with any preconceived notion of what it should taste like, but uh, it makes it more, you know, more interesting food experiences what when you're uh, switching it up and shit uh yeah like um, like what do you fuck with top three top three cuisines right now go i know it's you have probably a laminated list in your pocket if you're no, no. a true person who eats uh i think top three cuisines that i like to eat right now would be uh is, is mediterranean kind of too big i feel like i got to because that's like southern europe well Lebanese, mediterranean okay if you say mediterranean give me a top dish that you like I don't know if I can do a top dish, but, but method I'll or learn, I think uh, single item. I think the most interesting thing to me about the Mediterranean right now that I'm kind of uh, digging into is the the pantry, or the more specifically the spice pantry, mm. and uh, finding out uh, how the trade of the ancient world really affected the current uh, food market, mm. or the food producing regions and. You know, how does, why, why does Lebanon have sumac and Italy doesn't? Or why does Greece 
use lemons and olive oil, but France, you know, has their has their own thing. Yeah. Even though they're connected by what is relatively a pretty small ocean, mm-hmm. and they were all pretty um, naval uh, bearing countries back in the day. And the more I kind of go into it, the more crossover I find. Mm-hmm. Um, like I was just telling you before we started, the you know Italian fish sauce mm-hmm. that exists uh, in the south west uh, part of the country in what is a super touristy zone mm-hmm. but yet that specific ingredient hasn't gone out mm-hmm. for some reason even even throughout italy uh so it's been it's been interesting to kind of mess around with those um things and and get a little bit more justification mm-hmm. i guess to to use those different ingredients with different proteins and, and in different ways it's almost like as a cook or as a chef, it's almost like finding those like uh, items that you just come across or you're able to seek yeah. out. Like, I don't know if you remember, uh, have, did you watch when No Reservations, the TV show came out? Bradley Cooper was uh, as the main guy. It was kind of based off of Bourdain's uh, No Reservations book. Oh, the show. Yeah. Or not. No, no, not the book. What but it? what was the book that what's Bourdain's book? Uh, you know, I don't know, the old the OG one, the one yeah, that everybody references. Kitchen Confidential. There you go. Yes. Yeah, Bradley Cooper. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, I actually watched that show, and I I was sad that there wasn't more seasons. Dude, seriously. So accurate. Okay, as a cook, so I'm a retired cook, unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to look at it. I like anything with cooking. I'm into like any movie that even remotely shows like anything in the kitchen. I'm like, oh, I love that movie. That movie's my favorite. But when No Reservations came out, it just reminded me of uh, it's the later episodes with Becky in it, and remember she gets those eels. Yep. It's like that. It's like, wait, where did he get that Italian fish sauce from? Whoa, what happened? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, the, the kitchen life is, is you know, exciting. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, things happen and you have to react fast. Uh, there's another podcast, what is it, called The Eater Upsell. Mm. And they, it's a super old episode. They had Andrew Zimmerman on, mm-hmm. uh, which was fascinating. He, to hear his he, perspective. Yeah, I mean, he, he did the whole New York history of restaurants in about a minute and a half from when he started when it was you know the super old only like the poorer and the unskilled worker went in to cook and mm-hmm. then uh he kind of worked in kitchens through the transition of turning into the rock star you know chef the whole step by step all thing. the bad boy and you know how many things he was able to get away with because he could put out as many dishes that needed to be done but yeah. other people couldn't do with it so you know, the owners kind of let him get away with things that they wouldn't, uh, other, other employees. Yeah. And that was kind of, you know, the basis for what a lot of people think now that a lot of cooks are like, it's supposed to be kind of, you know, almost like piratey. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what you and I have both kind of seen a little bit more recently, or I, I, I hope is happening is kitchens are becoming a little bit more cerebral, almost at the risk mm-hmm. of being too, too thoughtful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, maybe one of the things that comes out of, uh, on the other side of this is that you'll be able to keep that cerebralness but have to be a little bit more uh, accessible to, mm-hmm. the, to the general it's populace. It's not as, uh, for lack of a better word, like elitism. Not, not, I mean, it's a horrible word, but I was just, yeah. before we got here, just, you know, listening to a lot of the chefs. And a lot of them who are going to be covered are going to be, you know, like the, the main dudes and, you know, like... Baloods and Keller and those are uh, awesome chefs like those are the guys that are the guys behind the scenes that have you know carried and you know helped facilitate the culinary world into the today's modern world and Mm -hmm. but also looking at that it's like that did 
uh, mutate kind of uh, slowly, you know, kind of what you're talking about, like the eras of cooking. Because I, when I went to culinary school, it was early 2000s. So it was right after the Tex-Mex revolution and going into the uh, gastronomy, like uh, Granite Chats, like was first on the scene with Alinea, I think, first open like and i was just like whoa i didn't even know Way this different. is part of cooking <laughs> this is crazy and yeah. and that was my introduction to the evolution of it but um uh what was i saying god the, damn it fucking are those uh bigger guys that are you know the typical old yes. white male okay yeah so kind of breaking that stigma of uh not necessarily the stigma i mean it's already been trending that formal or uh, fine dining is the white linens are few and far between nowadays. I mean, you see them more in like, you know, upscale New York, maybe certain certain particular areas that are accustomed to that. But formal fine dining, it's blurring the line with casual. And I think it's a good thing in a lot of ways because it gets down to just the food. Like, yeah. and it's always been about the food. And I think what you're talking about is chefs being cerebral. It's like you get so detailed and so intricate where you take a wide step back and then you almost use all that technique and that that wear all and then you just take something very simple and just treat it with integrity and yeah. just you know and then it kills like people yeah. never understood fine dining i know you get it too yeah. like how do people pay for 300 dollars for 36 courses of this i'm like it's almost like the adventure of it yeah and you're seeing what the chefs do. i mean the way i see it i'm very critical always when i eat i'm like oh that technique or oh look at that that viscosity on that or oh the plating is sexy oh let me take a picture it's it's cool to geek out i, I love food like that so. oh yeah it, i mean geeking out is like the best part you know people don't don't get why you want to spend so much money on um a, per, a particular dish and then, sure yeah i can go buy the ingredients at safeway for you know a dollar mm-hmm. and probably make the same make a same dish with the same ingredients but i can't make it to the same skill level that that person's making mm-hmm. and um a lot of like what um, I've taken a couple of the servers to my old work in SF, Gary Danko, and um, you know the food amazing. Mm-hmm. It's classic. It's not that complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would even venture to say that most people at home could probably do it mm-hmm. if you spent the time and had a little extra fridge space. But another thing you pay for in those top places is the service Mm -hmm. and how seamless it is that you you don't even realize how well you've been served until maybe a couple of days later you're like i forgot that they even changed my fork i didn't even see them do it Mm -hmm. or uh what happened to the salt and pepper oh that's right the salt and pepper shaker weren't even on the table on dessert Mm -hmm. i didn't even see it disappear yeah and like oh i never my water glass was never empty that's Mm -hmm. like the biggest thing right so many people are like the number one thing i need water yeah you know me too my one star because my water wasn't filled one star yeah one star but yeah that's what fine dining does it's those weird detail things like to never see your server but somehow have everything at the right time Mm -hmm. and have everything replaced and you don't remember the person but the memory is so unique that the experience to every single person participating it's like, yo, it was the greatest thing. Yeah. And you don't even remember. Like you yeah, said, no, it's a no. reflection three days ago where you're like, yeah, that was very crafty how they did that. Like I never had to wave someone down. Mm-hmm. Never. I never was, yeah. was left wanting something. I always had everything mm-hmm. I wanted. Yeah. And it's weird because I think you go out, you know, you go somewhere like that and then eventually you got to eat again. So mm-hmm. maybe you can't spend that much money. So yeah. the next time you go out, you know, you go to a smaller spot that's maybe much more casual mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, damn, dude, like. Why is my water empty? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, do I got to fill this up myself? Like, what's going on? Let me, excuse me. Excuse, yeah, but I mean, that's what yeah. goes into, you know, paying for uh, fine dining. But like you said, like, it is fascinating to see what does happen after this because 
I mean, if 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 what they were saying, like for instance, like I think with uh, Keller, I think or Balud was talking about, and some of the numbers early on, I mean, four percent of the GDP is you know what what accounts for you know restaurants, and and uh, easily right out the gate, it was already nine million unemployed, and I think we're hitting maybe f- eleven, twelve, if not full fourteen. I, I mean, it's close somewhere around there. Yeah, I'm assuming. I have no idea. Yeah, so I I'm even thinking. Have time to follow those numbers. Yeah, obviously, because you're working on the business. <laughs> this is what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. But that's why I'm like, you know, I wanted to come prepared because as I was thinking about everything, and I know we talk, you know, at the shop, and I'm like, this is fascinating. Like you alluded to that New York Times article about a prune chef, right? Was it prune chef? Uh, or yeah, uh, Hamilton. Hamilton. Yeah, and that was a very well eloquent written thing. And um, yeah, like speak on that. Like you know, give a little synopsis, and then you know, give a little takeaway from that. Because uh, I, I love that article. That was really cool. Oh, yeah. You shoot that to me, so I appreciate that. I love her as as a, as a chef, first of all, mm-hmm. because um, she is – I think she's mastered the art of being, like, cerebral, but being real. And I think just as a person, she's so real, but her education goes so far. Uh, for, I think she – has some degree in, in writing. That's why her writing is always yeah. amazing. I was like, there ain't no chef write like this. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? Like, if one of us wrote it, it'd be like chicken scratch yeah. and some other person it would It would look like an order for, like, it. meat. <laughs> it's just like a word and then space. And right. Then, yeah, yeah. Um, no, but she was just kind of talking about, you know, um, where her restaurant was kind of when it started and the, and the little bit, she gave a little synopsis about the journey of it and how, um, how her neighborhood a lot of what she talked about was how her neighborhood has changed and kind of in, I think she was alluding to kind of how the whole neighborhood of the country of restaurants has changed mm-hmm. and how there's so many more skilled people out because it's become so popular to cook. And, um, you know, it, there's always going to be people who get into it for the wrong reason, who want to be, you know, the next food TV person, which a lot of those guys kind of, if you look back, got into it by accident or just by happenstance. By they happenstance. Yeah. They didn't really go, Oh, well I'm going to be on TV. I mean, when they started being on TV was like, you don't be on TV to cook. Yeah, you know? no, it was like public access first. Yeah, and it's then, like, God, yeah, dude, I, I hope, you know, my local paper gives me a five-star review. Yeah, that was really only that what would, it was. That's like one little paragraph. Mm-hmm. You know, that was like their dream. Yeah. So they're, they're kind of living in an alternate reality than, um, than most of us will ever Yeah, achieve. that's a very small percentage in yeah. representation of uh, restaurants. Um, I guess uh, I got to get back to what, what she was talking about, but... Um, she was saying, you know, sometimes people are a little too fancy. Sometimes they're they're super basic, and both of the both of those things can work. And um, you know, the diner has really changed. Uh, they're much more educated because food is on TV all the time, mm-hmm. so they kind of know a little bit more. And um, she kind of finishes with, you know, I don't think that the current a- atmosphere is what she wants for her restaurant, and um, she's kind of valuing. Uh, the time that she's having at home mm-hmm. with her family and how she's just instead of trying to make a little bit of money for so much extra work she paid all of her employees and uh, you know has good enough relationships with her supp- with her purveyors that she's kind of just put the restaurant to sleep mm-hmm. yeah I like how she ended that more beautiful written part of that I mean mm-hmm. it was just incredible the whole article I don't even read that much, but I think I read that whole thing in about 10 minutes Mm because it was so, it was so awesome. Um, yeah. And I think she's right in a lot of ways, you know, obviously we're open, we're here, we're trying to do something. Um, I think we're much more conducive to probably doing to go food than, than she is. Mm -hmm. And maybe then, uh, her, her, uh, part of New York is, um, 
you know, I just wanted to, to stay open to, to keep people employed, to try and retain some normalcy. Um, you know, even in the little bit of extra time I have, I can't sit still. So I'm like ripping apart my apartment and mm -hmm. putting it back together. Um, but yeah, I, I think everyone who's been working here has been really grateful. Like, thank God I get to come to work today. Yeah. Because like, I don't know what else I want to do today. Mm -hmm. I, I, I feel bad for people who ha are like teleworking even. Like, I, yeah. I couldn't do that. Yeah. I'd go crazy. Yeah, because you're <laughs> stuck. It's isolation. I'd just be like, I'd be at home and I'd be like, not focused. I'm like, I'm not talking to you. You yeah. know, I'm not I'm staying just, here stationary eight hours only to be off yeah. and then still be in the same room. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, which is funny how you've seen so many more people in parks recently. Yeah, a lot. Which is, thank God we live in Sacramento. Yeah, with so it's many beautiful. Parks. I know. That's why it's crazy to never see it. And yeah. now you see it yeah. all the time. And I mean, for lack of it, it, maybe this is something that needed to happen to kind of slow everything down. Like the, the, the guys I was talking to yesterday on another uh, on another show, we were talking about that same thing. It's like. Maybe by happenstance, as shitty as the, the thing feels, it's like this is a moment. And then a lot of people are reflecting. There's no doubt about that because you're stuck to your own mind in situations like this. Hey, stay home. Don't do anything. Only go out when necessary. And think about for as many people that are on the grind, like, you know, coming from the restaurant world, we're talking about 50, 60 hours easy. And it's constant putting out fires. It's constant. Your mind is going at every yeah. single like oh did i order okay i need to make sure i get my order in by eight produce by ten da, da, da. like dude that dude cut his finger man table 12 yeah. like you know it's constant yeah. so at what time in in any person's workspace uh, workflow that you ever get to have time just to think and just yeah. enjoy outside and the Weird. things that everybody complains about like man i need more days off and now we have like 45 days and people are like yeah. i'm trying to get back to work it says a lot about the human experience yes yeah. we need time off but a lot of people need work yeah. Oh, a lot yeah. of people need work. Like you said, yeah, for work, normalcy. Work provides like structure to your day, right? Dude, you it's can, life. You can base everything around it. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it, it kind of fills a lot of your day, which I think is something that people should pay attention to. Is, is your job filling your day mm -hmm. or are you filled because of your, your job? Day, yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm very grateful that, you know, I, I love coming to work. I love what I do. Uh, it's kind of a bummer that the restaurant doesn't have like the normal hum mm -hmm. of like people talking, but you know, it's kind of nice to hear the little music in the background mm -hmm. right now. This is um, like prepping in the morning and shit. That's yeah. the best part. Yeah. Early morning prep. Like, oh, Everyone's ever curious what it sounds like. It sounds just like this. Just know, like two, this. Two people bitching to each other. Exactly. Talking shit about something. Doing, doing yeah. Whatever, just taunting down the list. Just like, oh, you got them onions. R &B like, in yeah. the background. <laughs> all day. All day. Um, but no, I, uh, this whole slowdown, like you were saying, like, you know, cars screeching to a halt, I, I think you've really seen that in what people are, are cooking at home. I mean, I know we kind of both follow food things really closely, so, mm -hmm. uh, I, you know, everyone's obsessed with sourdough now. Everyone's obsessed yeah. with baking, mm -hmm. and I think that's a good thing, and uh, I think people should get more obsessed about what they eat because, you know, you can you can modify how much energy, how what your body looks like. So many things matter about what you put inside of it. And I think people are, are being forced to realize that now. And mm -hmm. like, oh man, dude, when I when I make these cupcakes at home, I'm like, damn, there's a there's a lot of sugar in that. Mm -hmm. Versus when, okay, the sourdough takes like you know two days mm -hmm. for me to get ready, but it's the best goddamn sourdough I've yeah. ever had. There's a certain type of appreciation yeah. naturally happening right now. People yeah. are dabbling into cooking, and I think the effect of that will be a better understanding. It holds, you I know, restaurants so. to standard to be like, hey, you can't just. You can't pull just bullshit. Be okay. Yeah, you can't pull bullshit. You can't be like avocado with olive oil and arugula and like, hey, this that is better, California salad. That better be the best goddamn avocado. Yeah. It better be. Yeah. It's like, 
you know, I you've always heard people say like, well, I don't want to go out for something I could make at home. Yeah. And it's like, okay, you know, I, I, I hear that. But can you make it as good as them? Mm-hmm. Or, or are you beating them? Yeah. And then you're, you're totally justified. If yeah. you're making it better, then it will work. Yeah, why yeah, go? But they, but they might do something else. And, you know, we both talked about how annoyed we are at sometimes about um, there's a couple of restaurants that mm. everybody goes to, but no one really knows why. Yeah. Like, I'm like, what do you like there? Yeah. And they're like, I don't know. I just like it. I'm like, but like what in particular? But that's like, where you I need to do that. Yeah, you know, exactly. I'm trying to do that, but if you don't even know what you like, what? but it could be anything. I mean, when you think about you know food, like anything else, is like something to consume, and 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 when you take an effect of marketing and, and uh, little things, like you said, like even when we talked about earlier, like ambiance, hospitality. I mean, it could be as easy as like convenience is always a big thing, and then once you just Huge. fall in love with a place, like you fall in love with the place, and people are hard pressed to change anything. So it's kind of this is what we do. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I, I, I love this place I, because I, I it's... I go here. Yeah, I, I know it. Yeah, that's true. See, I mean, that's how most people are. There's it, comfort in the known. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's comfort in the known. I mean, people, yeah. like, we were talking about with the menu items, you know what I mean? Like, people are very apprehensive sometimes to be like, I don't know if I could try that. I mean, I like it. Sounds great. Maybe next time, which is oh. usually the case. And that's why I keep, uh, you know, things like Alfredo on the menu. Yeah. Because, you know, we were going through... Uh, before this all started, we were... I noticed we were going through a real, um, like crazy growth period like constantly resetting the sales record and seeing people that we had never seen before mm-hmm. and being more busy on off days and it you know uh, as much as i you know hate alfredo and making it um it still tastes hella good mm-hmm. you know fat is flavor yeah that's basically what alfredo it's is amazing um but i i've learned uh you know through talking about with other people that you you know, those basics are necessary because that's what people are going to order. And yeah. who are you to decide what people are going to order? Eat. Yeah. If you make it great, like yeah. just match it. And that's kind of like the give and take of the restaurant business. There's a lot of that. And there's always a chef like waiting to unveil his beef cheek, you yeah. know, raviolis. Like, dude, you got it. Beef cheeks? I don't no. know. I think I'm going to do Alvarado. Like, yeah, oh, I'm gonna man, do Alfredo come on, again. dude. How do I you know? tell you this? It's so good. But I, I think, uh, you know, it. We're going to keep going back to Alfredo as our yeah, little baseline. Of course. But, you know, that's kind of how you earn people's trust, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to come in, and if your Alfredo can't be Old Spaghetti Factory or, or another chain, then, you then, trash. Like, then like, why why am I here? Yeah, why that's a good am, point. Why am I here? Yeah. So it's okay. Uh, let me earn your trust. Mm-hmm. You know, you come in the first four times, you're going to order Alfredo. I'm going to hate making it every time, but I'll make it for you. I promise. Yeah. And then maybe that fifth time, you're like, all right, what's up with this other thing that you got? Mm-hmm. And like, maybe... Maybe I'll try like this weird broccoli dish that you have. Yeah. But then I'll still get Alfredo. Just yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. They and wean off and then they slowly yeah. progress. I mean, yeah. it is truly a relationship. I mean, you know, as a restaurateur, I'm assuming everybody you come in here, there's a lot of people, you know, known by name. It's really yeah. that cheers effect. And, and what you realize is people's palates change and you see the modern diner mm-hmm. changing. And I think, you know, you doing your best part to incorporate yourself into the cuisine and, and your vision plus keep the staples and be able to balance newbies with regulars and just have enough of each to maintain. That's like the game. That is the yeah. game of, of cooks right there. You're, you're teetering. The margin's so thin, like oh. uh, 90% in, 90% out. Like that's, this is why it's so difficult because a large part of the America's workforce is kitchens and what you're seeing and you're asking the honest questions. It's like when you break it all down, this is the reality of the business for better or worse. And maybe we got beyond our riches, like what you're talking about. Like there was an era where it was like unskilled, like hard labor. Like this is what the industry was and ultimately flourished and evolved into today's thing. Now with this, you know, the situation upon us, it's like, man, this, this could really take a, 
a lot of different turns. The way I always look at everything, I'm like, this, I think, I'm more on the side of it becomes cerebral. It becomes, I think people are going to be producing the best food and it's going to be innovation at its greatest on, I think, many levels. I'm just fascinated to see how. Yeah, I, I mean, I truly hope that's the way it goes. Um, it, it'd be nice with everyone cooking at home that they start to realize, you know, um, what is home cooking, what is restaurant cooking? And I just lost the sentence, it was much better. But, you know, I hope when people go out to eat that they're like down to be more adventurous because they are better cooks at mm -hmm. home. You know, they get good enough at home that now the restaurant level has to be so high. Yeah. It has to be. Yeah. And I'm down with that. That's you what know, I'm thinking. I think, I think a lot of cooks love a challenge. Yeah. And uh, get, I mean, we've taken a couple of risks here. I, I was just thinking about one yesterday and today that we did a special. It would, I think I told you about it. It was like a sweet and sour orange mm -hmm. sauce with yeah, yeah, yeah. smoked trout and leeks. And I, was, I tried it, and I was like, this tastes amazing. Yeah. I never would have thought it tasted amazing until I did this, like, weird research and found about this festival in Sicily where, you know, they have, like, a orange parade. Yeah. And, you know, I was kind of thinking, oh, sweet and sour. Like, mm -hmm. why not? Why can't it? And then, you know, agrodolce, mm -hmm. which is kind of another crossover fusion thing between, you know, Asian food is super sweet and sour everywhere. Mm -hmm. And you don't necessarily think of Italian. And then someone yeah. teaches you about agrodolce. And you're like, oh, well. You can make an argument. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can justify your side of the argument. Of right? To be like, no, I'm that's fair for me to do mm -hmm. and for you to try and assume is Italian. Yeah. Because it has these grounds. And I, I hope through things like that, that people don't just say, okay, that's an Italian place. The menu is or is uh, spaghetti meatballs. Yeah. And, you know, uh, rosemary chicken. Chicken. And yeah. split breast chicken alfredo. alfredo broccoli. And chicken cacciatore. Yeah. And broccolini with Parmesan. Yeah. You know, why can't it be, you know, a little maybe broccolini but mixed with like lebanese flavors mm -hmm. why is that so outlandish yeah because that's probably what they were eating when they took over the that time, place yeah if you could put your mind at this era that i'm explaining to you through the name of the dish here i am showing you uh indian spice trade getting through to italy possibly and there's accounts of here boom i think that's where it's dope i think that's where the marriage of like history and you know trying to source ingredients because when you figure out like yo how how did this get into, you know, the, the dialect of the food here? How did this? And then you trail on, like, you know, uh, Silk Road or whatever trade was happening at this era. And then it becomes a staple. And now it evolves. Then you're looking as a chef. You're like, that's where the creativity is because you're trying to find little nuggets. And history is a nice little gateway into access to the, the general idea. Mm -hmm. You know, it could be in myth, like, you know, potentially this is it. But even then, like, even if, it, even if it's just even a little bit, like, you could do it. And that's the world of food i think is cool and especially with italian food like you said it's like it has its staples but as you know a chef of your background and your vision you're like shit just try this like it's it's every chef almost has that in them to want to put that like yeah. ooh, dude eat like, this like, you know what I mean? like just try it mm -hmm. just try it mm -hmm. you know honestly if you don't like it i'll make you whatever you want mm -hmm. but just give it a chance yeah you know and uh Maybe maybe the states are like the perfect spot for that because we are the natural mixing point. Mm -hmm. You know, that's like the whole country's history. That's yeah. why there's so many little neighborhoods where, and you find uh, so many foods like chop suey. Yes. Yeah. That is not from where it came from. Dude, anything that, that on an American Chinese menu is not in China. No, it's here. Yeah. But it's their cooking techniques 
adjusted our ingredients and our flavor palettes and they've adjusted to what we like and now they're curving it yeah and just as you've seen like on the other side like korean barbecue Mm -hmm. is their ingredients with what you could argue is our technique yeah our technique our our culture essentially so i think as people kind of see more of that and and you know see more different um cuisines come through and use our ingredients that we have here which we're so lucky we have everything it's france uh (laughs) you know it's really it really is like if you look at the produce here i could only imagine when i read books about like old french you know cooking and all the old chefs of yesteryear and you know jean georges and you know, the Joel Robichon, like, oh, the French countryside with the wines. And I'm like, dude, California, you could make an argument. And I didn't live in old French country, but the produce, the wine alone, and the food culture that is just here on just that from purveyors and things like that in California alone is very particular. And it's like, we're very fortunate to have these at as access. You know what I mean? Like, East Coast, you can't find, like, no. any type of produce. It's cabbage and apples on every dish. Like, mm-hmm. Maybe broccoli and potato. <laughs> yeah, with pork. You know with what pork. I mean? Yeah. Well, because that's what, that's what grows. That's yeah. What, that, that's what thrives. I mean, honestly, I think you could make the argument that not just California, but mm-hmm. just, I don't know, 40 miles outside of Sacramento yeah. maybe, or a 40 mile radius of Sacramento mm-hmm. is probably some of the best food you can buy in the whole planet. Yeah. Hands down. Honestly. Hands down. We have just about every climate. We have, you know, because cooking has become so supremely popular, mm-hmm. that affects like the whole food chain. Yeah. You know, we... We tend to focus on the diner and not being adventurous enough. But I think if you go the opposite way, farmers have been super adventurous Mm -hmm. because people have been willing to buy. And, you know, I just read from Produce Express the other day, I think it was, maybe it was Twin Peaks themselves. They're growing 27 different varieties of peaches this year. Yeah. That number goes up like every year, like five, like five peaches they add. You know, we're only going to know it as white, yellow, freestone or clean. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that's maybe the next step in the in the information that's going to get passed down is that oh well there's yellow freestone peaches but there's actually like seven different of that version of it and like the farmer's going to know it because they eat peaches yeah. every day and yeah. maybe maybe the general population isn't going to know the names yeah but they'll be and, aware of it but at least it, yeah. they'll know that it's like oh wow my food is being produced by somebody who goes to this effort to grow you know it's 10 different kinds of yellow freestones so I can have yellow freestones all the way into October. Yeah, that's true. It's those yeah. little things. I mean, I'm surprised like field trips aren't taken to like farms and, and, and identity and understanding where food comes from. I mean, but I think you do have a point in the idea where we're at right now in society and with the evolution because the new diner is gonna be is gonna be different, just like how it's been evolving throughout the years. We're talking about, like you said, if, if America's the melting pot and you specifically, let's just focus on California. It's like, man, with the things available here and the clash of cultures and with, you know, technology where it's at, the, the everyday person will have a level of knowledge going into restaurants and it will kind of, you know, hopefully have the chain effect of like chefs will come out and people are looking for creativity. People are looking for innovation. People are looking for a leap, like something. I mean, maybe that could be, you know, what in turn happens and it, it's exciting to, to see man like I, I i have hope for it but me too it's a weird time like i said who knows we could be doing this six months from now and you can look like castaway and you know i'm over or here just, do. yeah that's what i'm saying and that's like on two days of uh, <laughs> two on two days, days of not shaving yeah that's the italian olive oil coming out fertilizes the hair glands uh, and just grow it's sicilian people see that's oh, what happens not sicilian <laughs> <laughs> your favorite no, I'm just well, saying. you know the Sicilians are the best cooks in Italy. I mean, is that is that how it works, uh, or is I mean, that just that's said? True. I mean, really, 
What is it about? Sicilian I never food? said this. I know. <laughs> the, the mafia. This is what they say in movies. Me. But you know, uh, Sicily has a very unique um, uh, microclimate to itself. It's got some mountain regions and some coastal, obviously, mm-hmm. being an island. Yeah. Um, and I, I would love to go to Sicily someday. Almost every, you know, PBS or whatever Netflix or episode I've watched about people traveling to Sicily, they're always like, "Oh my God, it's unreal! Mm-hmm. It's unreal." They had they use things that like I never used and. Um, you know, there's a, what is it called? Smelt. Mm-hmm. You know Smelt? Mm-hmm. I've gotten it once or twice from you guys at the shop. And, you know, I've tried it here and people are just like, nah. No sale. <laughs> no sale. Yeah, the culture is so different. Yeah, yeah. You know, if people don't know what it is, um, it's a really small fish that you can basically eat the bones of. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of like deep fry it super quick. Power through that shit. And you just, crunch, ultimate crunch. So good, though. But it's so good. So good. So good. Yeah. But it, it you know, it's. It's basically the same thing as fish and chips, the way you serve mm-hmm. it. Yeah. It's just smaller. Easily. It's the smaller pieces that you eat the bones yeah. of. It's a texture thing. It's crazy for it's people. Yeah. But I think maybe we're in the middle of evolution. You've, you're well-traveled to very many degrees. Best f- dishes from some of your travels or some of the more memorable ones. It doesn't have to be really fine dining. It could just be something you picked up off the sidewalk. But what are one of those like foods you're like, shit, that shit like, caught me by surprise? Uh, I think uh, two things come to mind right away. Yeah. Uh, both of them in Italy. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them when I was a kid, and uh, if anyone's familiar with Lake Trasimeno, it's a it's a pretty big, sizable lake in Perugia, and we used to go there um, as kids and go to. Uh, we were lucky enough to go to Italy once a su- or once every year during summer, and go visit my grandfather's uh, house and kind of stay around in that area. But before we'd get down there, we'd go to Perugia first. And this lake is is pretty big. I, it's, I don't think it's the size of Lake Tahoe, but it's got an island in the middle of it. Oh, shit. Which is super unique. Yeah. And it's not a volcanic island or anything, to the best of my knowledge. But it's got this, like, whatever, hundred-year-old, couple hundred-year-old monastery on it that mm. we got to walk around, which is, like, Whoa. I always remember the smell of that church on there that has, like, disintegrated, and mm. the pews are just, like, nothing, and... You know, it's almost like Lord of Rings style. Yeah. That's what it looks like inside. Super cool. Oh, I but, need to check that out. Uh, walking up to it, there's a couple of markets, and uh, we got uh, we were hungry, so my dad stopped us in somewhere and got us some bruschetta, which doesn't always have to be tomatoes. Mm-hmm. And um, there was one of the bruschetta toppings was, I didn't know it at the time, it was really finely, perfectly square diced mushrooms, and mm-hmm. I just, like, smashed it. Mm-hmm. I was like a, I don't know, 10-year-old, 8-year-old. Yeah, and, and I had always hated mushrooms. Hated it. I was like the basic kid eater. I want butter noodles. Yeah. And I'm not uh-huh. having anything exactly. else. Exactly. French fries, noodles, yeah. bread, ketchup. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's who I was. And uh, I was like, man, dude, this dad, this meat's great. <laughs> and he was like, those are mushrooms. And I was like, well, I guess I like mushrooms yeah, then. Yeah. Uh, so I always I have such a vivid memory of that. Nice. And then one is more recent. With uh, my sister and my brother, we went to Italy. Uh, I think it's been five or six years now. And my brother and I were in Lucca, yeah. which has um, kind of the old town and new town. And we, we were closer to old town and going around. It still has the walls from the old town, which is Ooh, super fun to, to walk around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody yeah. like does laps on them. And we got hungry, just dive into this little trattoria. I remember it had yellow awnings. And they had carbonara on the menu, and I was like, "Bet I love carbonara." Yeah, but it was literally the best carbonara I'd ever had in my whole life. And they served it with a little like balsamic glaze, which I thought was super cool. Yeah, and I was like, "That's genius." That is genius. It's genius, and like, 
it seems so chefy, yeah. right, to do something like that. And it was necessary. just on the side, just yeah. like kind of lazily put there. Um, but that's like just a mom and pop shop. And mm. that's like, you know, that's their culture is like they realize, oh, man, dude, this carbonara is so good. Mm. But I need a nap every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you like, need to cut that richness. What if I don't want a nap? What yeah. do I do? Yeah. And, you know, someone at some point was like, you just, just kind of like reduce some balsamic and see what happens. And that oh dish God. went through a hundred years of evolution to get to that yeah. point of the balsamic over there. Oh, yeah. Truth. Oh, hold up. Let me, let, me, let me pause. I think you got somebody over here. I don't know. Everything. Here. It does, but only for like a month or two. Yeah. Um, but that was the best carbonara. Yes. Yeah. Best <laughs> carbonara with a little balsamic. Old town. I mean, Italy's very romantic. I have not yet spent any time there but i plan to but i'm glad that i'm able to tap in with you because now you can almost give me like here's where you go specifically yeah i mean i i I think uh italy is definitely one of those places where the smaller more remote you can get Mm -hmm. probably for the better yeah not to say that rome isn't amazing there's a reason it's a world city of course and uh that's another memory you know i flew from that same trip with my brother and sister i flew out of rome uh super early in the morning i think like five or six Mm a.m And I, I got to take a taxi probably at like 3 a.m., so it's mm-hmm. still dark out. And uh, I remember being, like, super sleepy, but the, the route he took took us right by um, kind of the landmarks. Nice. And I just remember seeing the Coliseum at night yeah. with some, like, very faint lighting that was almost like, yeah. that, like those yellow lights. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, that were yeah. kind of remi- kind of reminded me of like fire, which yeah. they might have probably had some fires burning in the middle of the night back yeah. then. Yeah. And just to like look at the Colosseum, even though it's in ruins now, I could only have imagined in ancient times walking up on that and, you know, with all the, I think of the bronze that was all in it mm-hmm. that's been taken out over the years and looking nice. Like that would have been staggering. Yeah. To see something like that. Like especially the magnitude you, of it. Yeah. And you come from your little village where like a goat is like the most fancy thing you have. And yeah. you see this like mega structure yeah. and you're like, oh my, yeah, uh, we, we secede to you. You guys take us over. Dude, that's, that's odd that these structures are everywhere in the world and like nobody like knows or not a lot of people visit these things just to kind of take a look at them and see i mean you know even though it's well visited uh, people in america never go out of america in the weirdest way i just found that out yeah i think less than like four percent of people have their passport in america we're just not well traveled like that i mean it's not maybe it's a cultural thing but you know everybody's like you know I you know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's I think it's a little bit harder to travel out of America. I think easier and harder. Yeah. You know, it's you have the access for sure. Everyone has the access. Easy. But you know the distance. Mm-hmm. You know, not everyone's. You know, I'll I'll get on a sixteen hour flight all day long and do it one. I don't care. That's yeah. fine with me. But you know, a lot of people that I know, God, they try to fly to Vegas. They're like, Oh my God, I can't be on the plane anymore. See, that's I'm a like, trip, I'm man. Like, Go to sleep. <laughs> it's like the culture here is so different. Like for all my travels, and I've been very fortunate to travel. I'm like, it's. The coolest thing is just like experiencing culture more than anything. And then I yeah. love when the food section comes in because it's universal language everywhere. It's like it's the, everybody knows when to eat. You ain't even got to speak the language. Like I was in Cuba where there was like zero English. And I was very fortunate to, you know, be a very, a very great group of people. And the experience was like everyone was just nice. I felt like I was Cuban. And mm-hmm. they're very, there wasn't a lot of things there, but everything they did was just like, you can tell they've been doing that for like a hundred years, like yeah. roast pork and just plantains. Like Very their simple, grandparents but recipe. Yeah, and I'm just slowly like slowly gotten better at. Over I time. love it, and and I love coming home too. Like I, I love 
being in a different country and experiencing something different and you, you love it and you find what you don't like and, and it's always lovely to be home. Like first thing I eat every time I come home is like, let me get that in and out. Let me mm-hmm. get some American in Vietnamese food. Let me get some American Chinese food. All yeah. the weirdest thing. There's nothing wrong with it. No, it's, exactly. it's good. Yeah. Like general child chicken. Dude, I'm telling you. I mean, fuck, honestly, what, orange saying, chicken. Yeah. I love orange chicken. I best do thing not ever. Care. To be honest, uh, Pen Express still got the best orange chicken. Yeah, don't know why. I don't know how they do it. Everything else on the menu is trash. It's probably a bunch of chemicals. I'll take it. It's probably not even meat at this point. I think it's cauliflower or it's just all batter. Maybe it's cauliflower in the homes from 2008. <laughs> Dude, that's what I'm thinking. And uh, some citric acid, and that's about it. Dude, that's but what I'm thinking. If it tastes good, it tastes good, you know? Yeah. No, I, I love, I love, I love, I love yeah. orange Everything chicken. in moderation, though, maybe. I mean, as a chef, I mean, it's hard. Like, I, my experience with being a cook, I always relate it to, you know, people. I was like, yo, it's kind of like being a pirate. It's like little to no pay, but there's a certain pride of working, and it's like being on a ship. And then we're just, we live a pirate life. Like, we work our asses off, and we get off work, and we just party. I mean, at least in your younger years. I'm luckily not in the industry in this point, but I reminisce about it in my head all the time, and I always want to come back in the idea that I think I have a better mind. But the rigors of the, the job are so difficult in, in, in what it does to your body. You're standing all day, knives and burns, and yet it's like, I don't know, there's something about it. You're basically cooking in a bathroom with, like, three other people, and mm-hmm. it's just, like, something about pulling tickets and just stabbing them and just, like, at the end of the day, it's like, oh, we just conquered. Yeah. And then you have some beers, you have some laughs, and then you do that shit all over again in the morning. Mm-hmm. I think I think we're lucky because you know everybody wants to hang out with their friends all the time, right? Yeah. And I think in kitchens you wind up just being really good friends, like you were saying, mm-hmm. best friends with the people you're working next to. And if you you know try to keep it positive and be like, man, I'm so lucky, I get to like hang out with my best friends all night, do the same thing, yeah. which is always what you're trying to do when you're hanging out with your friends, whether they're the playing time. board games or going on a trip yeah. somewhere. You know, we're lucky that we get to have this shared experience every night, night in, night out, mm-hmm. and like, you know, you do your best to be successful. And you put a lot of yourself into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you succeed, oh, my God, it feels so good every time. Yeah. Every time. You know, but uh, that can be dangerous, which is well known. Mm-hmm. I think now people are realizing, you know, you have to have some kind of balance. And maybe that comes with getting a little older. And That's what I'm thinking. I'm bit. like, ain't no one tell you that you're shit like, when you're, like, early like, in the yeah, game. Dude, I can't. I, I can't stand 16-hour days. Seven days in a row. I'm saying, and maybe going I do, out and maybe I can do hammered. like five in a row still, but yeah, you know, then I which got, is crazy to then even I say. Need like two days off, yeah, to, to recoup. Yeah, but, you know, you, I think you get better at managing your body over time and and learning why you were getting yelled at for standing that way or, mm-hmm. or doing or mixing with that hand and not the other hand. And you know, I think the people that you thought were assholes, you look back and you're like, damn, they really had my best me. And, yeah, and my, they saw they saw my best me before I even realized it and. I think that's just part of growing up. Yeah. But it is super fun. I reminisce about it all the time. Yeah. Oh, man. I dude, miss I remember, it. I remember back then when that one night, oh, my God, we did that to order all night. That was wild. Yeah. Dude. It is. It's like, it's little quirky things like and that. And the diner had so cool. no idea. Yeah. We know? flipped it on them, man. Yeah. Dude, that's special. I mean, there's so many memories. I mean, it, I definitely miss it. But, I mean, it's, it's a young man's sport in a lot of ways. I, I think for me, I think that when young cooks get in i think as it evolves it is a very respectable profession i mean and it's come a long way you know what i mean i think people that do come in actually come in very serious like a lot now i think a lot of them are more concentrated on really trying to you know sustain a brand now i think it's it's multiple there's no denying it like you were talking about it's like the idea of a celebrity chef now lives in everybody 
And I think I think it's for the better. I mean, because everybody has direct access. And if I'm putting what you're making into my body, I would like to know everything start to finish. And I want to know who's making it. I think that's ultimately going to be kind of the marriage, at least with people that continue to really dabble into food. That's almost going to be par for the course. I think people are going to hopefully, you know, hold things accountable and just kind of like it'll keep everybody honest, at least, you know, coming out the gate now, you know, where when sanitation and cleanliness was such a premium living in California, I mean, we have the most regulation here. Oh, my God. And now with this, it's like, yo, you know what I mean? so hard already. Yeah. It's like, what does this do? Are we hazmatting? Like, what are we doing here? You know, I think most cooks, if you ask them, they'd feel like, oh, my God, I... I, maybe most good cooks, mm-hmm. they like I clean all the time. Mm-hmm. I clean, I clean, yeah, I, I clean during service, like and after every dish. Yeah, <laughs> and like as as you know, you've seen good cooks, and you're like, I don't understand how you're just like working with bubbling sauce, and there's not one goddamn drop mm-hmm. anywhere ever. Mm-hmm. And it's it's amazing, and the diner's never gonna see that ever. And they know that yeah. going into it, but they don't care. It's yeah. that personal pride. Yeah, it's thankless that, work. That's what really good ones have. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think going forward. And I hesitate to say it because I don't want people to view it negative. Um, food's going to cost a lot more going I forward. I think so, too. Because there's going to be much more labor going into cleaning mm-hmm. cause, because the regulations are going to change. And I think, um, personally, cooks, uh, you know, while they everyone talks about, oh, well, you had the passion. Okay, but passion does not pay bills. No. And cooks are working extremely hard. And mm-hmm. not to say that no one else in the is restaurant it? Yeah. Is, is working extremely hard. Um, but I think... Cooks are maybe that one uh, group, and, and probably dishwashers to an extent, but I would almost call them cooks too. Same. Um, they're that part of the restaurant that I feel like is not being fairly compensated for the amount of effort that mm-hmm. it really takes. And, you know, there's overtime pay for sure. Um, but, you know, it, you you worked in kitchens, and even now, it, it's impossible to take a break. I mean, what, mm-hmm. A 10? No. A, a five smoke, yeah, maybe. Yeah, in maybe. between, like, your first, like, yeah. seating. Maybe if you figure it out how to, like, create five minutes. Yeah. But, you know, it's not like, and I don't want to, you know, say that desk work is any easier. Oh, no. It's, it's no. not. It's just yeah. different. It's just different. It's different. And, and yeah. it's more uh, demanding all the time. Mm-hmm. It's, it's relentless. Yeah. And, you know, the diner does not care that you, you've been saying. And, and I don't I don't think it's their job to care that you no. haven't had a break. I don't care if I go and they're making their harder money if that I go they did. Nordstrom Rack and there's yeah. not someone helping me if I need help. I'm, I'm like, I don't care that you guys yeah. all have to take your thirty. Yeah, I don't give a fuck if you on your seventh hour and you need to take your half and all y'all need to take a half. Nope, I don't, I don't care. I came here. Yeah. That's not my problem. The yeah. service you provide is what it is. Yeah, but uh, maybe people can uh, maybe remember that and when they have to pay more, yeah. they can think of you know what. I had to pay more, but it, it's going to be good because yeah. it has to be. To and survive. this is what we're doing as and, a culture. Uh, this is what they're going to do with that extra money. Yeah. That, that cook that maybe never before even heard of a break is mm-hmm. going to, you know, maybe get 10 minutes off a day. Yeah. You know, or maybe they're going to have um, better health health coverage to, like, go to the chiropractor. Oh, my God. I mean, we're, we're seeing this on display. I mean, you're seeing the true, like, life of, you know, chefs kind of to many degrees, especially through this kind of situation where it's like, yeah, I mean, is that a talking point that you've kind of heard, like in terms of like uh, pricing coming out of this? Because I was listening to David Chang, uh, Momofugu, uh, New York. The, he was talking about that too. He's like, one of the things that I think you know inevitably will happen or um, projected to happen will be cost of food will definitely have to go up, especially after this, because you know the the idea of you know quarter half capacity possibility of having you know staff hired to you know temp people in the intro. I mean. 
how many people do you start stringing along? Like, how do rents get paid out? I mean, it's 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 a whole ecosystem, and I mean, inevitably, it is odd that in culture in America here, we don't really spend a lot of money on food oh, in in, in no. comparison to other cultures. Just like gas. Yeah, we spend nothing on gas. No. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Other pla- other countries pay by the liter. Yeah. Which is less than a gallon, and mm-hmm. they're paying like eight nine bucks. Yeah, easily. You know, and we we have it really good. The government subsidizes a lot of food, mm-hmm. and that has helped over time. Yeah. And you know, as much as uh, people bitch and moan about um, food being expensive here, they they bitch and moan the same amount about the farm worker not getting paid. Yeah. And but it's like, okay, that I hear both sides, um, but the work has to get done. Mm-hmm. Regardless. Know? And they, those people have to be paid. And it's not like a business is a charity. The business mm. is out there to make money. And the mar- and I, do, I think some people have an idea of what the margins are like. And I, maybe you've heard differently. Or maybe you can you know, ask a couple of people that come into the shop and see what they say. I kind of try to secretly ask people. Of course. People. Of course. Um, I don't think people realize how many steps there are in the food chain and how many mm. people need to get paid. And I think, you know, in a perfect world, sure, everybody would be making hella money, and, but that's not the reality because mm. people, you know, see a vegetarian dish and they expect, well, that better be cheap. I'm not paying no for protein. it. No I protein. No protein. Co- I know the cost of beef. No protein. Rayleigh's. It better be $5 or less or, you know, yeah. uh, or like, oh, it's got steak. Okay, well, kind of expensive, you know, maybe 15 yeah. And Filet mignon? Okay, 50 easy. Yeah, I'm like, what? Well, I don't well, even... We could go on about filet mignon. Exactly, yeah. It's the worst cut. But uh, that's crazy because these things are embedded in, like, yeah. at least our culture. And, like, are we in evolution or are we... Or is that just always going to be what it is? Or are we... There's comfort in the norm. Like there's comfort of, in the norm. And that's you know? 50% more or less of people. And then right. now it comes down to how you run your business and how you want to do it. And yeah tough decisions like you know uh you know prune like hamilton is like yo i'm gonna let my baby rest and i'll come to it and i see fit how i run it yeah. versus adjustments being honest as a business person like look i'm gonna adjust but i'm still gonna keep my integrity and i'm gonna press forward and i'm not gonna submit and do something off-putting just to make the sale right because then why am i doing anything you yeah. know and these are the times where you know people are exploring that yeah i i, I am intrigued to see because you know um I don't want to guesstimate too much, but you know, I think in reality, I, I don't know. What do you think a steak salad probably costs? 15, 16? Today, maybe? yeah, easily. Maybe 18. 18 yeah. yeah. If it's 18 bucks, you better be like somewhere yeah. nice, right? 18, I'm at least getting five ounces. Yeah, I think the reality of what that plate probably should cost is probably like 25. Easily. For like a basic steak. And I, you know, uh, even saying that, I'm like, Jesus, I, I wouldn't pay that. You know? True. I, I don't think I would. But I think that's I think what presses it. it and yeah. I like that better be the fun best and, and mm-hmm. the truth is that's probably like i think maybe going forward that might be like one of the worst steak salads that you have yeah it's 25 bucks and uh i think home cooking is gonna be very important very uh, important because everyone's gonna have some knowledge on how to do it yeah um but yeah i mean there's so many different ways it could go home, home cooking might be every restaurant it might be that's what i'm thinking because you know I've, I've learned over time here I, i've been shocked at how many people just do not cook at home do not, like, oh, like, like 90%. Like microwave every meal or yeah. maybe like take out. Thing. Yeah, freshly. Some of the to-go things, the yeah. delivery home kind of like I pre-prepped it for you, blue apron, kind of yeah. those things. And I think like the next step even above that is maybe people who know like one to five dishes that they know how to make. And they make them like two, three times a month. Mm-hmm. And I think after that is where you start to see like people who can, who can cook at home. 
But I think there's a large population in those first two groups who can't cook or who can barely cook. Oh, more than 50% um, easily. And, you know, those are the people that are going to have to be paying out money to yeah. be eaten. Or maybe there's a large disparity. Like, is it crazy to say, like, Demolition Man, you know, when every restaurant's Taco Bell? It could be. You know what I'm saying? It certainly could be that way. Yeah, because you know? who's really surviving? Anybody with a to-go, yeah. anything that's big business? I yeah. mean, and that's, you know, that's par for the course. I yeah. mean, they're never going to be affected. They're too big to fail they're where Well, maybe, the government won't let them fail. Yeah, you know, exactly. Not, maybe that, you know, I don't want to say that's good or bad. You know, I try to to stay not political no, inside of course these not. Four, four walls. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they employ a lot of people, and mm-hmm. I think it's fair that, you know, they stay open. be supported to do that because, oh, my God, can you imagine if McDonald's tomorrow <sighs> didn't exist? That's like how, what do you how do much? With, what yeah. do you do with that whole population? That, that, you know, yeah, that's too many people. That's too many people. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. Like, it's not to say restaurants aren't that many people, but if you're doing, you know, not to be comparative, but, yes, McDonald's is – a yeah. conglomerate like or, or even Cheesecake Factory Imagine yeah that could bring down the tomorrow, economy for real <laughs> tomorrow night Cheesecake Factory says we're done we're closed mm-hmm. everyone you don't have a job anymore goodbye mm-hmm. Imagine what what would that do to the economy oh my god yeah that could have har- farther oh. repercussions on many levels yeah yeah so um, there, there's no right answer to anything that's going on no. or, or ever you know you try to choose your best answer which is I think uh, what drives people in the restaurant is it is almost like a board game, like all the time. You you don't know what the next card in the little random deck flipping over is going to. We all got hit pretty hard. No one expected coronavirus. Yeah. The next card to be flipped over, and hey, also bonus effect. You know, you're shut down for two and a half. Yeah. At least. It's like a bad turn in Monopoly and shit. Like <laughs> fuck, I hit going to jail like three <laughs> times, bro. Like yeah, what I the hit fuck? Going to jail, and then on my last time around, it's somewhere I landed on Park Place Hotel. Exactly. Uh, only play, I was like right there, and I rolled two. <laughs> Get out of here, like you know, stupid <laughs> shit like that. But I mean, you know. Restaurants, you know, have been around for as long as we could remember. Like, resiliency is key. I mean, staying positive. I mean, you know, talent will always win out and passion and, you know, the will to work and just to make it happen. Because it's not perfect. And But you could either fold, which, I mean, they're prospectively saying 50% of restaurants aren't going to be able to survive this thing. Yeah, I, I heard a lot of those numbers. And um, I would be very surprised if it's that high. Or mm-hmm. And maybe I'm naive and... Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of expect that most restaurant operators are super driven uh, and and want to make it work but i think a lot of restaurant operators are like people who who really care about what they're doing i mean there's always going to be people who just like they're just cheating you a hundred percent they're going to costco and they're buying something and they're putting reduced cream on it or whatever mm-hmm. and and they're selling it to yeah you. it's or, it's america some you know that's Hey, if you don't know and you're willing to pay, there's someone out there who's going to charge you for it. Yeah, more often than not. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the differences between how many, you know, chain restaurants, not to be talking bad about chain restaurants, but yeah. I mean, and then you have on top of that restaurants that do well, operate I, in more of a shady at, type of environment. Just look at like Etsy. Yes. That's all stuff, you know, it's not it's not beyond anyone's capability to make the stuff that they're making. Yeah. That, that's why that shop exists is someone mm-hmm. can make something, but they can make it better than you. Yeah. You can, for sure. Uh, and that's why you pay for it. And I think that's the same reason you should go out to eat. Is, yeah. You know, you believe that they can do it better than you and they've earned your trust. And uh, I don't know, maybe we're going in circles about this, but I think it's it's important that you have a little faith in people who cook every day. Yeah. You know, give them a chance to, to you know, and, and open open yourself up to trying something new. Yeah. Is, is maybe what I hope people do when they walk in, you know? 
I mean, I think we're on the horizon of it, man. I think that's what you like to see at the shop. When you know, oh, I love to see we, it at the shop. We talk, we talk all the time about how much salmon you sell today. Oh, mountains. 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 But, I mean, how, think how about much, it. How much Ono you sell. But, think about this, though. How many pounds of salmon were people selling like 20 years ago? Yeah, it, probably the same. Probably. Uh, no, I don't even think probably, that. I, not I, even I, close. Oh, I mean, the same. Uh, the same. It probably wasn't that much. Yeah, I but mean, it was still the number one seller. But it just how, wasn't like the amount. How long ago was it that uh, I think it was Trois, uh, restaurant Trois-Gua Yeah, was the first restaurant to what we would say today properly cook salmon, which is not cook it all the way through. Yeah, I think that was barely thirty years ago. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We're in like teenage world of uh, I think culinary yeah. world. That like I think it's still evolving. This is still yeah. like something very tangible, and I think the advent of technology. Like, like it's going around in circles, but people yeah. are gonna. I mean, at least for this niche of dining. I mean what restaurants account for in terms of the everyday, it's, it's a very small amount. It's crazy as it seems. It's just its own little ecosystem in itself. Like when we talk about what majority of people are doing versus people that dine out, it's still a very small percentage and it's still enough to sustain this many businesses. That just goes to show you how many people are in food industry in general. Mm-hmm. And it's still a small percentage. And that's, what's cool because it's almost like, you know, Tom Caligo says they're too small to fail. Yeah. Where worst case scenario, you could probably run this, you and your sister could probably just run this by yourself for a day oh, yeah. if you needed to. And I mean, that's where when we started, the type I mean, of thinking is as good as going to be it. Yeah. When we started, I, I remember uh, just when I started, the restaurant had already been open for like a year and a half, two years, I think, when I started here. And there was multiple times that it was lunch, lunch service. It was me. Mm-hmm. I was dishwasher, cook, server. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sure, we got caught out a couple times. Yeah. And, you know, got, got rushed yeah. and sucked. In the weeds, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it sucked. You know, yeah. the whole dining room's full and it's just me and people are like, oh my God, I'm never coming in here again. Yeah, this place or that's what you're thinking when you're back there like rushing yeah. like, Ugh. They don't know how to staff and, you know. Yeah. It was okay. It was fun. Yeah. Those are the things I reminisce about, you yeah. know. Especially when people say, I don't have time for them. I'm like, you got time, okay? I promise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, man. But yeah, those, yeah, I, I think, a lot of, I think that's kind of what I think about when people say so many restaurants are going to close, and I, I'm confused about where that thinking comes from. And I think they're purely thinking financially, um, and I think maybe they forget that most uh, restaurant operators take out huge loans to get started and, oh, have yeah. paid, and have paid them off. Yeah. And while they don't want to get in that scenario again, I think a lot of people know that they did it once, and why can't they do it again? Mm-hmm. And I and I hope that's the way it goes. Because the competition has been so great um, for the for the whole restaurant community of America, uh, especially uh, in Sacramento. You know, you look back to when uh, Biba first started. I think it was 35 years ago. Yeah, they were like, I think I I, I wasn't alive. One. Okay? Yeah, me neither. So, <laughs> or maybe one years old well, in a different place. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think they, you know, were probably the first. Italian place here mm-hmm. and they lasted 35 years and you know they had a great run and was a great restaurant with great people and I think even up to pro- you know maybe not so much their last service but their last service before this cold COVID thing broke out mm-hmm. they were still amazing oh yeah keeping up yeah and forcing you know other restaurants around them to, to innovate mm-hmm. and like okay well now they're doing that what what do I have that's going to match or compare mm-hmm. you know I have to get better and uh, it, it's it's a fun challenge to present yourself with. Yeah. I mean, restaurants come and go. I mean, you know, it, it's cool in its day now that we could actually, you know, have access to, you know, like, you know, 
see these restaurants or look up information for them. But I mean, before, I mean, there's a whole pantheon of restaurants that, you know, it's gone by the wayside, like Florida Lee, uh, El Bui, well, like the landmarks. Yeah, like these are like, if anybody wrote, I mean, history, you know, of cooking, like these are like, whoa, these and those are like multiple chapters. Yeah, and they just kind of you know fall by the wayside, and that's the reality of the restaurant business, and and it's good and it's bad. I mean, it lives its life, and just like every restaurant has its own personality, it's its own identity, and. You know, you just hope that, you know, they can stay open as long as possible and they could continue to provide that. Because, like you say, it's it's a craft. It's something that's kept upon and built. And it's not only the restaurant itself and the workers and the people, but it's the people that come in. That's It's the whole dynamic and it's the whole lifestyle, the ecosystem and yeah. everything. It, it, it changes pretty fast, honestly. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I was kind of thinking about the restaurant and how you know they had already been open for a number of, of years when they did that same edition you know it wasn't that far away from now but i i think um you know even when i listen to a lot of podcasts they talk about you know landmark things that happen in the restaurant world i, I barely know about it. I, yeah. have to, I have to like get online and google it right away yeah because otherwise one i'm gonna forget you know because uh, my attention span is zero um but two, because it wasn't even that long ago. I'm like, how do, how do I not even know about this? Yeah. You know? But we never learn about it. It's yeah, just, as a cook, it's yeah. like you either it gravitate towards fast. it or you don't. Yeah, yeah, it does change fast. I mean, there's new chefs all the time. I mean, James Beard is handing out James Beard's awards like every month. Yeah. In every region. To people who absolutely deserve it. Yeah. yeah. And that's why I was like, it's, it's like, yo, like they're, they're everywhere. It's out like, mm-hmm. you know, like a little mail thing on your, yeah. on your doorknob. It's like, it's hey, like, you're you around know. the radius here. You get one. It's like, no, no, this goes to show you how many, like, practitioners there are. How much talent there is yeah. now. It's, it, you know, it drew, it's become so popular, it draws in some of the better minds, you know? Yeah. Just like, if soccer was popular here, mm-hmm. America would be the dominant force in the whole world. Of course, world. Okay. yeah. Even so, I think we're always usually in the top 10, top 20, yeah. and it's like our, you know, C-minus sport to play here. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think... It, People, when things become more popular, you know, they, they accelerate faster. Yeah. Just like electronics. I mean, mm-hmm. how long ago was the internet invented? I don't know. 70, 72, 73? Officially, the computer, yes. Yeah. Uh, so, internet was like 90s? Yeah. I yeah. think 80s, 90s? Yeah. Internet? AOL like, online, that's what it was. Yeah. We, we, were quick. The, we are the generation yeah. of AOL Instant Messenger and the yeah. dial-up, like, hey, get off the phone. Yeah. And, and now our phone is the internet. Yeah. <laughs> That's how fast we're that's evolving. Like that. It's Thank that you. popular. That's, it's going to even go even faster than what yeah. it is now. So that's why I think a lot of restaurants are going to make it. Through. I think so, too. I think, I think we're too innovative. Too interested. Yeah. There's too much interest around it. People are going to come back. I mean, on, on a lot of surveys that I, I happen to see or people send to me, the number one or two thing that people are most excited about, they're like, they can't wait to go out to eat. Mm-hmm. They can't wait to go to the bar. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of bartenders are I mean, it's, it's gathering first together. Back. Yeah. Everyone's going to have their, their Corona tolerance to the root. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I see it too. I, I, I err on that side. I really think that after this is all said and done, I think it was just like it was here and then it disappears. I think really things go back and I think they go back for the better. And mm-hmm. I think that they escalate exponentially. I think they're, like I said earlier, like ed- innovation, like. Uh, the willingness a lot of people are going to step in and, and I think people are going to be wanting to really get out there and do it I think this is going to pass like so quick and I don't as much as they're speculating like oh hazmat suits maybe and this I was like I don't think you're going to stop people from actually going out and, and, and enjoying themselves and really going back to what what they do and even more with the appreciation I think that's what is kind of like the silver lining with, with this whole situation is I think everybody does come in and really appreciates it now where I think before it was kind of like 
you're in business, some people just go in and out, and it's, it has its own thing. But with this situation, it's almost going to, like, magnify, like, hey, thank you for being open. And it's almost going to be like a sell. It's almost going to be like a re-grand opening. Yeah, Imagine man. that first yeah. night. And you're just going to be like, this yeah. is really cool for this restart of, you know, this reinvigoration of the, of the business and the restaurants in general. I think that that's what's going to happen. I mean, that's where I air it. And I think that that's where it goes. I think all the negativity, I think, is just more fear mongering. It is. I think people are frustrated and they're just like, oh, everything's going to shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I 100% agree. I think the, I think the restaurant community is going to come back super strong. You know, I see people making food at home that's like restaurant quality food. And oh, yeah. On Facebook, like, oh. oh, yeah, it took me like all day, but I made this. And yeah. I, I think that's going to do two things. One, it's going to make them appreciate the restaurant doing that. And mm-hmm. they're like, oh, thank God, I don't have to do that anymore. Now someone else, I can just pay someone else, you know, yeah. to do that in two hours where it took me all day. Uh, but yeah, like we've talked about, it's going to really heighten the food quality. Yeah. People are like, well, I, I can make really good sourdough at home. Mm-hmm. What, what are you doing to it? And you're like, I need yeah. to try it. Then. I saw someone the other day was making like using the remnants of their sourdough to make taco shells or something. Oh, shit. Oh, like, like the outer? The outer shell? Or are you talking about, oh, no, just like the like, leftover? Like a, like a corn tortilla. Oh, using, like a press and then doing the whole yeah, thing? <laughs> out of sourdough. <laughs> and I was like... Dude, that, that's cool. That might be a thing. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe sourdough tacos oh, will be the thing. pastrami Ruben taco. Maybe we'll have some like <laughs> That'd be good. Yeah, some Jewish, <laughs> Jewish Mexican, New York, Ooh. Japanese fusion food. Maybe food will just. I really mean, maybe get crazy. America's like in. I mean, think about it. America's only like how many hundred years old we are. Basically. That's it. So our history, like, we're really years. young. I think that's why when we romanticize about like you know. Italian food and French food. They, them motherfuckers been doing that shit for like 2,000, 5,000 years or yeah. some shit. What are, we, what are we gonna romanticize about? Oh man, the hot dog, which I love a good hot dog. Yeah, you is know? that American? Is American? Is hot dog American? Why not? Hamburger's American. Why? How about Isn't how about the current hot dog is American? The current probably hot dog started from sausages. Yeah. And that's someone true. was like, you know what I want some with that? Some bread. That's also true. See, yeah. maybe that's what American motherfuckers do. Yeah. We're like, yo, we add. I mean, that's what we do. I mean, Chinese food to me is American as fuck. Like Chinese food and barbecue, I think, are the things I've identified that are very particular to America mm-hmm. in the way that we interpret them. They're all ancient kind of. They come from different cultures. But the way that we flipped Chinese food and the way that we flip barbecue here oh, yeah. in America is like, wow, that is fascinating. So I think we're only getting into our groove. Uh, that's how I see it. I think we forget that we're very young in, in our country. So when times like this, a lot of people have a tendency to be like, man, America is America. That's all I do. And you travel. Sometimes you'll notice how cool America is just being in other countries. And that's the benefit of traveling is always seeing the country from the outside and appreciating both. You know what I mean? Like, Well, there's McDonald's in like every country. Every country. There's Subway in every country. Yeah. I think KFC is in almost every Most. country. Most, okay. yeah. You know, people like American food. Love right? America. Yeah, they do. They yeah. love, you know, I mean, just go to Japan. Oh. They, they, they fantasize about America, yeah. okay? Um, but yeah, American food, I think I think you are kind of right. It's still very infant mm-hmm. and has a long way to go. And uh, it, it, it's almost like uh, we're like a beginning painter being given an advanced painter's, like, wheel of colors to choose from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like... I. I I, I don't I, know. I don't know how to mix these. Yeah, we'll figure it out. But I'll, I'll use I'll use this color and that color and like yeah. okay, uh, I, you know I don't know how to mix those five colors together, but I can like glaze soy glaze some Brussels sprouts. I can do that. Yeah, you know. And then that's your like first default. You're like that's actually crazy because yeah. there's a lot more intricacies or there's a lot more to learn. So that's why, like you said, it's a full palette, and then we're only scratching the surface. I think and to your point, like trying to really chefs, you know, like a. 
and cooks and you know restaurateurs trying to really push the envelope i think will will help continue that progress of being innovative where if the creative you know emphasis here in america becomes like something that you know other countries look at like yo american food is like i mean even just the fact that michelin has finally moved its you know star system out here is like tremendous i think the way they did it yeah right it's not just one uh town I think to they do went, like yeah. an area, yep. I think maybe that's the future of the Michelin Guide, and as it should be. As it should be. Because what what other food thing do you purchase or associate with one city? Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. Maybe, Especially in America. Maybe a couple cities throughout the world mm-hmm. might have, like Lyon, France, yeah. might be one of those cities where you're like, okay, they have enough things to be their own. Yeah. But even though, even there, it's not like it's just Lyon that's doing that. No. It'd be like saying San Francisco is the only place that does Chipino. Exactly. Uh, not true. Yeah. Okay. They do it all the way down to Santa Cruz and they do it all the way up to, I don't know. Yeah, people fly Jenner, that shit California. into the Midwest. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Pike's um, Place, be shipping all their stuff to yeah. every part of the country. Yeah. So I think the Michelin guy doing that was really cool. And, yeah. Uh, I, I think it's working for them. And it's cool because that's a very well-reputed, like it's a very reputable you know guiding system and and it's based out of something very honest like yo it's just it was a tire traveling guide turned into like the most sourced guide and to move it to america is huge which it it really is based off that tire company it is the big guy the big tire guy yeah i'm like they're like like the tire company i was like exactly the the marshmallow man is where it started yeah um yeah it's cool and i hope uh you know it's not the end all be all and i'm glad that they've expanded their rating Mm -hmm. system to the bid gourmand which is you know kind of excellence in your area which is probably most people's affordable price point is a is a place like that mm-hmm. and there's a, a couple places in sacramento got it you know let people look them up i don't want to yeah make, you know no yeah those names around without their permission of course um, but i think some excellence restaurants got it and i'm super happy for them yeah they do really cool things um, but yeah it's super cool that those places are thriving because it lets me in my little mom and pop shop, you know, make sweet and sour trout with yeah. leeks and pasta. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's a whole thing, man. I'm 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 like I'm excited. You know what I mean? Like, I, I hope that you know, like I always say, like it, or at least in this situation, uh, innovation is key. I'm always looking for that next thing. At least for when I even the next cronut. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it it might be a miss, but that cronut or whatever this innovation leads to something else, like. And it'll happen. It'll happen, I think, exponentially even more so now because I think people are going to feel the pressure. Or not the pressure, but I think people are just going to be motivated to just do some, do some shit that you really want to do. Do you think the general uh, diner is going to be more forgiving for people reaching for things, but maybe it doesn't work out and appreciating that they tried something new? We'll see. I hope so. I think based on cool. our projections, it's like, yo, if you're cooking at home and you don't want to make sourdough every morning, come to our place. Or if you yeah. don't want to make pasta all the time, this is why we're here. You can yeah. make pasta three days out of the fucking, or three weeks out of the month, but if you want to come to our dining even once a month, that's most appreciated. And I think that that's where kind of maybe it comes down to. And yeah. they become more integrated with you know whatever subculture each restaurant kind of has in its ecosystem you know what i mean it's cool to see the interaction like even for me like when i'm working at the shop i mean i have various relationships with people just seeing how they evolve their own palate and how their techniques i mean i just draw from everything i know and what i've heard and talked to and i pass that knowledge and there's a lot of people that actually try their hand at a lot of things and succeed and people like yeah i remember when i used to just now i just i'm bringing people over here and telling them how i was like even if it's just one person, I mean, I, for me, that's tremendous because I know what it was like when I had no idea what cooking was to learn it at such a young age and then appreciate it seven years into my career where I just realized like, oh, this is like, 
life-changing stuff. Mm-hmm. Like even for myself, like even if you never cook in a restaurant, if you even dabble in cooking, it's a skill for life that continues to grow and is never endless in information because there's so much new ingredients. Like we were talking about, so there's new cuisine. seven peaches. You could come up with yeah. seven different peach yeah. cobblers and that new. perfectly match that peach's profile. It's an endless, like, it, it's endless in its, uh, its opportunity and it's like, potential to fulfill anybody's life whether professional or or casual and i think that as people embrace food as a part of life it almost seems like this was culture before the microwave revolution and the tv home dinner because it seemed like everybody knew how to cook and then not know how and then now maybe for some reason it it re-inspires i could honestly admit i feel like there's a lot more people trying their hand at cooking because inevitably situations like this obviously push it forward but there was the idea you could put your stuff on camera for yourself or for other people and share and these networks of sharing ultimately is you know upping the bar mm-hmm. where today's chef and today's cook will have to you know step up and, and show the difference like between a, a, a professional cook and a home cook and that's the pride of a professional cook a, a true practitioner and a true craftsman is like this is my expertise this is my mastery my salt game is so high I mean that's yeah. the one thing I understood is like yo difference between you know home cooks and professional cooks is learning how to use salt yeah. not being scared of it yeah <laughs> i didn't realize that like my first day of culinary school i was like how much chef he's like yeah this much i was like okay cool he's like, like nah triple that <laughs> and you're like oh my yeah heart, my heart is exploding yeah but when you eat it and you understand how to you know mix and match and kind of how to how to balance out i'm like that is a skill that is for life and mm. the variety the better i can only hope that people you know that ever dabble into food in many any regard just you know keeps that in mind I would hope so, but I like what you said about uh, uh, you feel that this is what cooking in America used to be. Mm-hmm. It's more like people cooking at home, and uh, I was thinking about bread when you said that, and how you know everyone made their own bread way mm-hmm. back in the day. I mean, th- you hear stories of people having starters that went across the country on horseback. Mm-hmm. You know, they're two hundred, three hundred years old. Yeah, starters and stuff. Yeah, and, um, I you know the journey of bread kind of is that stuff went away and like the that like white bread wonder bread mm-hmm. replaced is amazing yeah like, i love I wonder love, bread i love, love wonder bread pb and j with some potato chips and grilled cheese sandwich for me i love day. it yeah. yeah uh but now and now we're kind of getting back to like the wonder bread's not good enough for people anymore they want that sour bread or they want that like rye or you know and it, it's fun to watch and you know people are getting back into canning and, and realizing oh there are seasons Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. Uh, strawberries don't grow year-round. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, this you know this and that and the other doesn't grow year-round. You know, there's not always cow to slaughter. They have to grow. Yeah. They have a particular season that they usually mate in, and, and so months later is when they're actually ready. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think people are, are getting more into, like, oh, fermenting and, and canning and stuff, which sounds super nerdy. Uh, and it seems super hard, mm-hmm. but if you look at its origins, it's it's from way back when they way didn't even understand back. what the hell they were doing. Yeah, no refrigeration. Like, what the, the fuck? All this shit's spoiling. We got to figure something out. Cheeses were made by accident. Yeah, cheese doesn't have to be something super complex and no. like, oh, I need every chemical, but you do need every chemical to make the best. The best. The best. And that's the difference. And that's why you go out to eat. Exactly, because you know? that chef just took like a sixteen-hour like deep dive on just how to make that particular bread, yeah. and then that's what you do and to then, experience yeah you pay to experience his mm-hmm. his gain of knowledge or yeah. her gain of knowledge you know yeah or like this person makes the best jam because they've been making that damn jam mm-hmm. with their grandma or their grandfather for you know generations yeah that thing has been passed down and that's why it's perfect yeah 
You know? The minute you go on like auto cooking when you're not measuring and it's more like feel and taste and you, you're, you're, you know, trusting instincts and you're like on automatic, it's like that's a good rhythm to have. And it's hard to get there and consistently do it. Like restaurants that operate, you guys, the whole, the whole reason why you're there is consistency. The whole reason why is like you can replicate that dish like spot on, plated perfectly. And that's kind of like the test. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's kind of like, okay, can I... And it's a rhythm, and, and to get in there, and it, it, it's it's really cool. You know what I mean? It's, it's a very honest thing, and a lot of people can relate to that. I think that's what you know continues to be the longevity of food culture in general, and the evolution will continue. That's a hard thing to do: be consistent, oh, be hell consistent yeah. all the time. You know, people don't realize. You know, after fifty times of making it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if you go home and make a recipe fifty times in a row, all of a sudden it's going to have more lemon the fr- the last time than the first time. Yep. Cause you kind of, you know, whatever of it, you want to try it out. And, uh, being consistent is a super difficult thing to do. It's, it's also another, you know, I try to look at everything as a fun challenge cause then it's not so, uh, dreaded trying to achieve it every day, mm-hmm. but try to use a lot of positive reinforcement cause it makes it more interesting and fun. But yeah, being consistent is like super hard, but oh. it, it, it's like the baseline. Yeah. Is you have to be an yeah. A plus. The minute you walk in, it's like, yo, that's the standard. And uh, I was mm. thinking about when when you said, you know, you've seen people come in, and you remember the first time I came in and got my one bronzini. Mm-hmm. <laughs> come back yeah. And all, you're like, who the hell is this person? Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's the same to become a regular anything you do. Uh, I see, you know, a lot of people ask me, can, can I go to the market with you? You know, you know everybody. I'm like, I know everybody because I go every week. Yeah, you'll it's know everybody a, too. It's a once a week <laughs> Honestly, if you go once a month to a restaurant, you will be a regular at yeah. that restaurant in three or four trips. Easily. They, they will remember you. Yeah. Especially if you're, like, nice. Yeah. You know, basic manners. Like, oh, thank you. Hello. Yeah. How are you Simple doing? Simple things. Not Simple walking things. to the front of the Chipotle line. And when they ask you how your day is, instead of saying bull, you could say good. How yeah. are you? Are, you it's know? simple <laughs> things. Like, you know? I think we draw back to that. Like I said, it, it's this situation I think is ultimately going to put this in people's faces. Like, yeah, we should be nice to each other. We should help support each other when we can and try to learn from each other. And if it regards in food, I think that ultimately extends out. And I think people won't be so shied off. And I think hopefully people understand both the situation in hand and and hopefully the future where dining is. I mean, eh, I hope. But then again, it could just fucking it could, it could go, go back the to the same thing. Opposite way. Yeah. You know, that's why I think we both haven't really talked about it because we don't want to manifest that yeah. in any way. I want to manifest nothing. Yeah. You know, I want it to be the, the way yeah. I think is best. Um, it's a wait and see approach for sure. But I mean, yeah. right now it's just it's fascinating. Like uh, I, I, the fact that, you know, like I reached out. We've talked about doing this for a while now. So that's on like, like it's crazy. For like a year. The <laughs> circumstance is like not ideal, but it is fascinating nonetheless. And that's why I'm like. Yeah, hopefully we can do a couple more of these, man. I, I love to do these, you know, from time to time. Hopefully, you know, this doesn't persist as long, and maybe this could be more of a late-night session right after service or, like, on a day off. But dude, I'd love to do these again and, you know, try to be able to incorporate other chefs. Like, I was talking to um, uh, Olga from Pushkins, and I was okay. telling her I was going to pop with you, and she's like, yo, I'd love to. Because I was talking to her about her story. Her story was crazy, too. And I was like, maybe this is a thing. I mean, especially at the time right now, I think that, just to get the story out, I think if we want to really bridge the connection to like what people probably want to hear from just everyday people that are cooking, it's no different than another job. But it's one that a lot of people in the industry, especially if you've been in for X amount of years, there's a certain level of pride and ownership that you can never take away. And I think that's like a big force of how restaurants continue to strive. And I think to your point about restaurateurs will step up because this is almost like a normal day in a lot of ways, even though it's not ideal. 
this is something that they would face in an everyday thing. It would just be coming from like 50 different angles. Yeah. But now it's just, we just have to worry about this one thing. Yeah. All right. It's almost easier. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh, I know what the problem is today. Exactly. Right. <laughs> like we're not going in. Okay, cool. I know how to staff it. I know this. You're not dealing yeah. with like, you know, covers and, you know, a down refrigerator and, you know, oh vendors not, God. you know, delivering the right thing. You know, those fish yeah. guys and a-holes, you know what I mean? Yeah, Stuff like that. Fish guys. Yeah, I, I know. know. I, I know. know. There's so always so many things that can happen every night, and that's the excitement. But mm-hmm. it is kind of nice to, to have a couple of weeks of, yeah. I, know what, I know what my problem is today. Dude, you guys should do this. The restaurant business should always have a sabbatical for one month. <laughs> Hey, there's that would be so dope. There's plenty of restaurants who do go on those sabbaticals hey. that produce great food. Yeah. Uh, you know. Maybe it turns like that. Maybe restaurants aren't so big into like trying to, you know, manipulate or not manipulate, but duplicate business and be empires. Maybe it just becomes this weird like, look, man, I'm going to be here for the least five years. My restaurant's open. That's it. And, and I just want to do it by I move somewhere else. Yeah. I thought about doing that. I was like, I want to do a lease one. So everybody knows, hey, this is only five years. Yeah. After that, I'm maybe yeah, never it'd again. Be fun. It'd That's be like Laurent Gras. Like Laurent Gras, like he. Like he's not New York again, so I was like, "Yo, this this show, like, you know, Laurent Gras, right? From yeah. uh, uh, he was, I think San Francisco. He was. Uh, why am I forgetting that restaurant right now? But anyways, like you know, French. He's one of those like weird. And uh, I used to really like hone in on him because he was like this elusive chef that was just very. He was tied to a lot of different chefs, and he had this you know immaculate like resume and he was always supposed to be like this uh, not was supposed to be what he's this promised like dude like yo this fool has very serious talent but he never stays at one place it's so elusive how he is and that's pretty fun yeah that's all i was like yo is he just playing that game like everybody just kind of he's like following the white rabbit it's like yo i'm gonna be here like he was on hiatus from san francisco in new york and he was in new york he stopped fell off the face of the earth was biking everywhere came back i'm gonna do a pop-up at momohugu i'll be there for like three days and then <laughs> disappears okay. opens a restaurant and then leaves it's like yo this is that's that's cool i've never seen a chef i don't know if he's intentionally doing it but i was like huh or it's i need to pay attention to more restaurateurs and chefs maybe more people do that and i don't even know about i think that might be an insight into how his brain operates and Mm -hmm. a lot of cooks brains operates like we were talking about you know writing scribbles down Mm -hmm. i think he kind of instead of writing a scribble down he just like oh you know what that's a cool idea let me deep dive on that for like three weeks and then like do like a three-day pop-up and And then then i'm over that thought i move on to the next one it's bold but yeah, I like shit like it's that. Cool. Yeah. It's cool. It's it's fun to reward, you know, people for being brave as long as it works. Yeah. It's work, you know, if the food's good, the food's good. Yeah. There's and the no, food always stands out. Yeah. You know, there's no faking it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's the common thread. What? Yeah. This was fun. Yeah, man. No, seriously. I, I would love to do this again. But thank you for yeah. coming. Paulo from Adamo, Sacramento. I don't have to 